Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson. It is Friday. We are coming to the end of the week. Beautiful day here in Berg. Having some of my buds over tomorrow for a little 50th gathering. Uh, my friend Dale Lolly will be here as well. And, you know, all that great stuff. Um, I found a lot of little nuggets around the, uh, the internet. And this was a tweet from Warren Sharp, who's a great follow. Uh, he does really good work. Good dude. So... He put out a list of every team, how many touchdowns they scored offensively from outside the red zone, from more than 20 yards away. How many touchdowns were scored by these teams? So it's not a common occurrence. There's 17 games and the league leaders had 17 Philly, a couple against Steelers, and Vegas. Devonte Adams. You wouldn't think the Raiders would be in that conversation, but that's the beauty of a big-time uh, receiver. Philly doesn't surprise anyone. Those two both had 17 touchdowns in a 17-game se season from outside 20 yards, outside the red zone. It's pretty crazy. The Niners and Seattle had 16. The Bills had 15. Those five teams were far and away the best in the league. Steelers were victim of several of those, now I think about it. So, no one else had 14 or 13. Um, I want to look inside the division real quick. The Bengals were next best. They had 12. The – where are the rest of these teams? The Brownies are at eight. And I think several of those were chub long runs. You know, it doesn't matter if you throw or run, whatever. And the Ravens were very low as well. They only had six. So, Bengals had 12. Browns had eight, Ravens had six, compared to the five best teams that were 15 or more. So where do the Steelers land? I'm guessing you're going to realize it's not so good. Dead last. Two. Two. Two touchdowns the entire season from 20 yards or out. I mean, that's one worse than the Colts, two worse than the Falcons, Three worse than the Rams and Bucks. I mean, these are teams with multiple quarterbacks, lack of talent. And when I tell you explosiveness on offense is their biggest problem, I think that's the best reiteration of that. So, along those lines, now I'm not going to tell you Pat Fryermuth is the most explosive tight end in the league or anything like that, but I... Before I even saw that tweet, I found some fantasy stuff about Fryermuth I wanted to talk to you guys about, and we'll, we'll start there. And before I even do that, I think I I told you that just the eyeball test, watching Fryermuth at OTAs, nine practices, I thought he looks, moves better than I've seen him yet. And he's always been a good mover. He's a very good player. I think you guys know I'm a big Fryermuth believer. I've told you several times I thought he was our best offensive player last year. And some of these numbers reiterate that. But we'll get back to the explosive stuff here in a minute, too. So, this comes from Dwayne McFarland from Matthew Berry's website, fantasylife.com. It's all free. You guys can go there and check it out. But he just put out his tight end tiers for fantasy. And he ranked Friar Muth as the eighth tight end for fantasy football. I mean, Kelsey's clearly one if you haven't, if you don't play fantasy. Kittle's ahead of him, you know, Hawkinson. But he was right there with Dallas Goddard and some other very good tight ends. And basically just reading this, 
it looks like tight end basically five through eight they're all the same so Fryermuth got a little bit of the short end of the stick so but he's a tier three tight end type of guy if kelsey's in his tier by himself so this is how and these are very numbers driven Dwayne mcfarland's a very analytical guy and he does great great work so in terms of tight ends he's somewhere between tight end seven and nine in the league of a target earner He's somewhere between seven and nine of an air yards producer, how far he gets downfield per target. In terms of his pro football focus receiving grade, he's somewhere between fourth and sixth amongst all NFL tight ends. And yards per route run between seven and nine. All those are very telling stats to me, pro football focus grade somewhat aside. His projected role, battling George Pickens to retain the number two role on a balanced offense. Folks, Deontay's the one. I tell you this all the time. So, Fryermuth improved his target share, air yard share, pro football focus receiving grade, and yards per route run in his second year. So, all those telling stats took a step forward last year. So, this is kind of interesting to me too. Bear with my nerdiness. He had a 18% target share last year. When the Steelers threw the ball, 18% of the time it went to Fryermuth. That basically puts him over the last 12-year average. That'll make him about the sixth or seventh highest target-shared tight end in the league at 18%. His air yard share was also 18%. That same neighborhood would be for him. He'd be about the seventh highest air yard share in the league. Here's where things are a little lacking for him, though, is – Per route run, you know, the, he's only at 9-3, which is not a top 12 number. So, again, they need to get him downfield more. But I have some good stuff on this. So, this is very telling to me. This was the best thing I dug up in the last 24 hours or so. So, Fryermuth delivered an explosive reception on 25% of his targets. So when they threw him the football, whether he catches it or not, targets, one quarter of the time, he came through with an explosive reception. And remember, all I talk about is Steelers need more explosion. Steelers need more explosion. That was second only behind George Kittle. So of all the tight ends in the league that ran 250 routes or more, which isn't a crazy high number, Kittle was the most explosive on a per-target metric. Fryermuth was two. And I think he's moving better now. So, they need to utilize that more. And, you know, Darnell Washington can stretch the seam. Fryermuth can bring stuff after the catch. You know, like, there's something there to work with. He's not going to go for 80-yard bombs. He's a tight end. But he can get you 20 yarders. He can score from without, you know, outside the red zone, you know. So I keep going back to him over and over. And he's not the only guy I come back to, but I very much think Fryermuth is more the answer to their problems than somebody to worry about. I mean, and that's being very mild. I mean, I think he's a big time guy. All right, a little break. And then I just got a couple other little, you know, small nuggets here I think are interesting too.
Also, a Pro Football Focus article that came out this week. They put 32 teams and just a quick paragraph on each. What's the biggest reason for optimism? You know, what what should this fan base get excited about the most? And I think theirs is exactly what you want to hear. You know, pause this for a second. What would you want to hear? You know, what do you want them to say reason for optimism? Like, sure, you could be like Tomlin stable, you know, uh, good defense, TJ Watt returns. We all know these things. But the one that they picked, ascending Kenny Pickett. That's what you want to hear, right? I mean, so I've told you these numbers before, but they still really stand out to me. From week 12 onward last year, the only quarterback in the NFL with a higher passing grade than Kenny Pickett was Joe Burrow. The only quarterback in the NFL with a higher passing grade than Kenny Pickett was Joe Burrow. Week 12 on. Pickett had an incredible 7.2 big-time throw percentage and just a 1.2 turnover-worthy play percentage. Both of those are like the best in the league. All that points to a big leap for Pickett in his second season. With hopefully a fully healthy T.J. Watt returning for a, soul, for a full season, Pittsburgh will be a tough out once again. Again, that's just what you want to read. You know, what's our number one reason for optimism around this team? The quarterback. <laughs> okay, there you have it. All right, last thing too, this is also a pro football focus nugget. And frankly, content around the league right now is a little low and it's going to be slow. But they, I've, I've often talked about their position ranks that have come out. You know, lots of lists this time of year, of course. Trust me, I've been the, the writer of those for years and years. And the safety list came out. They have Derwin James, number one, and Minka, number two. Of the top 32 safeties, no other Steelers made the cut. Yeah, with a full season, I could see KZ being 25, 26, something like that. Um, I have no problem with this. To me, it's a little blasphemous, but it's almost like Derwin and Minka, who are basically the same age, have an Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu feel to them, you know, where... They're better than basically everyone else at this position. They're the best of their generation. I'm not saying they're going to be all-time greats like Reed and Troy, but they both stand out. Minka's more the free. Derwin's more the Troy in the box. And it's more, do you like chocolate or vanilla? Do you like strawberry or Rocky Road? You know, I mean, it's just the two of them are immense talents. And just want to read what they had to say about both of them. I don't know who I'd pick, to be very honest with you. The big knock on Derwin is he needs to stay on the field, but he's a little freakier than Minka. You know, so here we go. James is the league's most dynamic playmaker at safety. There isn't a better combination of run defense, coverage, and pass rush. I agree with all those things. His 77.6 overall grade ranked 13th among all qualified safeties. He racked up two interceptions, two forced fumbles, four sacks. On any given day, the soon-to-be 27-year-old has the ability to be the best safety in football, which that's kind of key to me, to be honest with you, because you have he's teased more than he's delivered. You know, even Pro Football Focus says he was 13th amongst all their safety ranks. But when you see it, you're like, whoa. And I do agree with this. If he has another performance similar to his rookie season, which isn't two years. I mean, it's a, a noticeable ways away. He'll be in the defensive player of the year conversation. I agree with that. I, I brought up Derwin James a couple times this time last year as somebody that I would put a, a buck on to win 100, you know, some kind of long shot. 
as defensive player of the year going into last year. He just needs to stay on the field and be, you know, uh, consistent. As for Minka, the centerpiece of the Steelers secondary. Fitzpatrick had an excellent 2022 season. His 82.4 overall grade ranked third among qualified safeties. And he was just one of two safeties in the NFL to post at least an 82 grade in both run defense and coverage. His six interceptions, including a pick six of Joe Burrow, tied for the NFL lead among all players. The Steelers' cornerback position is in a bit of flux, but they can take comfort knowing Fitzpatrick is roving behind them. So, again, do you like Rocky Road or Strawberry? Derwin's better near the line of scrimmage. He's a better pass rusher. He's better against the run. Minka's really good at all those things, too. If it's in the deep middle or 40 yards downfield, you definitely want Minka. Both create a lot of splash plays. We talk splash plays a lot on defense because the Steelers linebackers have been lacked so much that way. So I thought those were fun. Um, again, you're going to hear me talk about creating explosions, creating on, on offense, explo- more explosive plays, creating more splash on defense from the linebacker position. So more of the same. I mean, that's the big things they need to you know concentrate on. So take care. Everyone have a great weekend over and out. <laughs>